Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So this is your Blue Room Deadline Day special. Uh, after numerous hitches on YouTube, we're finally here. We're finally up and running. And Dave Downey does join me now. Uh, Dave, how are you, mate, on this this fine deadline day evening? <laughs> I'm okay, Matt. Uh, see, for, for anybody listening to this, and this goes against probably a lot of people who like YouTube and stuff like that, the exact reason why... Career-wise, I've never really gone near YouTube other than when we've done bits and pieces like this. The exact reason why is what has just literally happened in the last 10 minutes, Matt, where your laptop has decided not to play any ball and uh, we've had to wait a few minutes and no doubt people will be running around complaining and wondering if there's something wrong with their computer, so we have to apologise to them. Um, I think I accidentally started the stream before when I was sat on my couch watching the NB United, so people might have just got a a view of me from an unflattering angle shouting at Leicester for doing something mad, I imagine. So, yeah, not not, not the best stop, but we're up here and up and running now. No, but I don't know. I suppose it's better for some people, isn't it, when they see, uh, I, I don't know, like, I'm, I, I think we class ourselves as professional journalists and um, broadcasters, but when it comes to when people can actually see who we are, hence the reason why you can't see me right now is a completely different game, isn't it? So um, I think the first thing to say is probably fair play to... Les Roberts, who does all of our YouTube stuff, well, the majority of our YouTube stuff, and uh, Rob Vader, who's obviously going to join us shortly, and a, f- a few of the others who are going to join us at some point um, throughout the next what, hour and a bit um, to discuss what's going on with Everton and transfer windows and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think as, as the day's gone and been, I think as it's got closer and closer to this deadline, which is, how long is it is exactly, Matt? About an hour and five minutes or something like yeah, that? Yeah, an hour and three minutes we've got, yeah, to the little show. <coughs> Excuse me, an hour and three minutes, and we're still sitting here as Evertonians, crossing our fingers that, uh, well, at, at least one more comes in, which is probably going to be James Garner from um, Manchester United. That looks like, oh, let, let, let's hope anyway, we're not jinxing it, but let's hope that's been done and dusted and we're just waiting for the club to, to eventually announce that might well be at 10 o'clock on the dot they like to do these things at a specific time don't they Matt um, 
like they did with Adjusted Nana Gay earlier today at what, four o'clock on the dot, wasn't it? Uh, 4.45, I think it was, yeah. 4.45, there you go. So, um, yeah, people who are specific with time and whatnot, and you, I suppose you think I was that type of person because I work in radio, um, would, would yeah. love all of that sort of thing. But let's listen, let's hope in the next hour and what, two minutes now that Everton pulls something else out the hat because I still think we're quite short of what we need to go into the well, at least the next three months of the campaign. Yeah, and um, like I said, there will be a lot of people joining us throughout the, the course of the night to, to go through that. Um, might have a few pets as well. My dog's just coming in and I'm obviously very keen to get involved in the, the transfer excitement. But, in, in, you know, I, mean, I imagine Dave's going to be a lot of talk tonight about what Everton haven't got through the door in regards to a centre-forward and, you know, attacking reinforcements and why we might be a little bit light there. But be interested to get your thoughts on the lad that has come in and the lad that looks like he's probably going to come in and in Idrissa Garnagay and then James Garner from Manchester United. But Idrissa Gay, I think it's one of them that's sort of, you know, it's Dally Donald summer, hasn't it? I think we've all sort of seen updates every now and then and thought, you know, it's more of the same here and there. Not quite getting excited about it because it's dragged on so long, but now he's, he's here, he's, he's through the door, took to the final day of the deadline to do it, but... I think the fact that various reports saying it's a two million pound fee, and the lad himself seems absolutely made up to be back here, and seems very sincere about his happiness and love for the football club. Um, it's um, you know from a purely playing perspective, I think it's a sensible move, isn't it? And someone who will come into that midfield and probably be a standout player straight away. Yeah, he will. Um, I think it's it's something. Uh... Uh, it, it, these are things that I don't think that the club hold themselves in any real um, acclaim a for how they've act, acted, how they've um, basically done their business this this summer. Because if you, uh, and this is a lot of debate that many people have had throughout the day, it's something I've been having throughout um, the last few hours on social media. You know what? What that that sort of big question? What would you rank out of ten the way Everton have acted? Um, or conducted themselves in the transfer window in regards to what felt inevitable that we'd lose one of our main players, i.e. Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, or, or some might say Gordon now, given the uh, saga that's gone on with him in the last few weeks and, and a potential move to Chelsea, which thankfully, um, well, most people would say thankfully, isn't going to happen because he's been really, really good and important for us in our last two away games where we've, we, we've come away with a point in each of them. Um, and... You know, that, that's something we want everyone to get involved with tonight. Write in the comments on the YouTube or Twitter, whatever it is you follow us. Let us know your thoughts on, on what you think the summer has done for us, the transfer window's done. Um, you know, let's hope we're celebrating it'll, in, in an hour or so about something that we pull out, the, out of the hat in, in the last hour. But to me, I think that... I just think that these days which certainly aren't my favourite whatsoever. And, you know, I know a lot of people sort of consume themselves and what they do to make deadline day a event, an event. You know, you have to look at what Jim White, he probably made it himself, didn't he? And he's probably still proud of it until this very day of how the transfer window went about and it was made by the Yellow Tie Day by BBC. Uh, I shouldn't say the BBC. <laughs> the way Sky have acted. 
and conducted yeah, slight, himself. Slating your own employees is never a, a good move, really. Absolutely, you? absolutely. <laughs> you can't get away with that one alive either. Being conducted really well. If you if you have watched the BBC or listened to the BBC content today, I must show you that. Um, but I, I still the, the, the blue room still my bread and butter, the dual bread and butter, despite the fact we work for pretty established companies, and, and we'd like to think it's the best, even though we work somewhere else, don't we, Matt? But um, Everton themselves, I think. Uh, the most uh, most responses I've said, I, I I've tried it not to be negative because I think the I think there's two ways of looking at it. The players we've actually signed, I think, have been really good. Um, I think you know of Onana, I think of the defenders we've signed, um, Cody, Tarkovsky. They their moves that are, are very positive. I think I think they've shown that Everton is trying to improve themselves because they've look. Let's face it, have had to given the fact we very very nearly went down to the uh, the second division um in what back in March, April, no it was May, but no it was it June by then, wasn't it? It was only like two and a bit months ago. It feels like it's um feels so historic that we very nearly went down as do the the ninety eight and, 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 and back in ninety four and stuff like that. But um those signings that we have made I think have been good. I think we've seen particularly against Leeds the other night that they've started to grow together they've started to look like a team um you know i think i think we could have well won that game had nathan patterson scored what looked like a really comfortable easy chance for a player that has looked brilliant for us at right back that's another plus point because we needed to sort that out given the Seamus looks like he's in the sort of twilight zone of his uh, of his professional career as a player um but you know, you come to a day like this, you come to the point like we are now, less than an hour left on transfer deadline day in summer 2022, and we still desperately need, um, I, I think most people would say more than this, but at least another centre-forward. Um, and, and that just hasn't, or doesn't look like it's happening right now. It seems like we've been linked with a, a handful of different ones, but it hasn't come to fruition. And, I mean, I, I personally, if this stays as it is now and James Garner's moved to us from Manchester United is confirmed and that's all that happens. I think you mentioned it earlier today, Matt, that it looked like that was all that was going to happen today, realistically. Um, if that's it, then I, I think that a lot of good hard work on who we have brought in has been let down by not completing it, not, not getting to the end of it, thinking, do you know what? Everton look a lot better and much more comfortable. And look, I'm going to admit that the fact that we've well, played five games in the Premier League, haven't won one yet and conceded in every one of them, you know, each of those make you feel a little bit, you know, a little bit more nervous towards what we don't have yet. And that is a out-and-out striker. I think Calvert-Lewin's ho- hopefully going to be back as soon as possible. And Mopai is, is going to be a, a better goal scorer than what he was at Brighton. He's not that type of goal scorer. I mean, we, we've discussed it a lot since we signed him earlier in the week. Um, and everyone was so, so pissed off that he couldn't play against Leeds, given the fact that it was, it was uh, Bank Holiday Monday. But yeah, that's that's where I'm at at the moment. Right now, I think that really good players we've signed, but we haven't completed the task. I think it feels to me like, you know, when you've, you've done your, your GCSEs in school, and you've done like, I don't know, 70% of it and felt really confident about the exam that you've done, then the last couple of pages you've ran out of time to actually complete it. That's exactly what this feels like to me right now. 
Yeah, I quite like that as an analogy. Um, we have got people coming into the, the chat now. Um, we're gonna, it's gonna be a bit mad. It's gonna be those different people getting involved throughout the course of the next uh, hour and a half or so. And we need to um, remind everyone, Matt, keep giving us your comments, thoughts, questions. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna keep us going. Uh, joining us now, Adam Sutton. Adam, how are you, mate? On this deadline day evening, you feeling happy? Sad, glad it's all over, nearly. Um, the latter, definitely. I think in terms of that window as a whole. Sounds a bit mad, mate. We'll, we'll come back to you in, in, in a sec. Try and try and get that sorted. But um, we'll throw over to, to the man who's going to be hosting this mainly tonight as well. I'm going to sort of be producing and trying to get people in and out of the, the chat. And I mean... Hopefully, handling the technical things which have done absolutely terribly so far tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got Rob Vera here, um, the transfer guru himself. Rob, oh, how do you feel? God, don't <laughs> ever. Almost, don't ever. Call this me. feels to me like I imagine just like what Scott Hansen feels like on the first night of Red Zone every year. <laughs> when it's like you, you are just in your element. Yeah, except for like seven hours of of commercial free football it's just been the last seven days in particular of just unending staring at my tweet deck scrolls and and all of that but uh yeah i'm (laughs) i'm so my favorite my favorite thing about today is when it's over because um i will sleep better tonight than i've slept the last few days because my brain gets so attached to this thing that I find myself kind of randomly waking up, checking my phone, checking to see if anything has happened uh, six hours ahead of me. And so uh, it's a look, I'm a junkie. It's a terrible addiction to, to this to this mad, absurd theater that is the, the transfer window, Matt. But um, regardless of how it turns out, there's always something to talk about. That will certainly be the case today. Um, hopefully, Adam will get a an actual um it's you know a microphone working instead of speaking into a speakerphone that's set up in the room across the hall or whatever he's got going on right now um adam hopefully get your camera back buddy because you've been brought on here for your good looks more than anything else Uh, i just want you to know that um there we go there we go um so what what are you trying to say here because i'm not i'm not envision am i so you know Dave, I, I, you never, Dave, you never come on camera anymore, buddy. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's, that's your reason. choice. There's a good I, reason for that, but you don't have to rub it in. By, by oh, whatever, whatever. You know, I, I won't hear it. But anyway, Adam's ego. You know, you don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Adam knows. Adam knows he's handsome, so it's not like I need to be the one to tell him. So, um, well, look, uh, we're going to be on here for, as Matt said, I'm going to try and uh, take the helm of this thing for the next hour or so uh hour plus we'll we'll stay on for a bit matt if you will uh kind of interject every once in a while let me know about what uh people in the in the chat are saying uh i'm staring at zoom and not at youtube right now um i look i um i'll, I'll get i'll kind of kick off my n- initial thoughts on this thing um we do have 51 minutes left I don't know that I am expecting any sort of Alex Awobi at the death miracle that we had uh, years back that I recall us all being very disappointed about <laughs> at the time. Um, and and of course, we feel very differently about Alex Awobi now, but we certainly couldn't have known that back then. Um, it, it looks like um, 
It looks like we're not going to sign uh, anyone else today. Um, we're waiting on the Garner announcement, as Dave and Matt were talking about. Um, barring, barring any weird snafus, by all accounts, that is done. Uh, so Everton on deadline day will have uh, completed bringing in two more uh, central midfielders. <laughs> I... I, um, I think that if we go under the assumption that Everton are not going to bring in another attacking player, um, I have been, I, I think that we all kind of have to class this overall window as being pretty disappointing. Well, I, I think it's pretty disappointing. I shouldn't speak for all of us and I shouldn't say that we should all feel that way, but I, that is how, that is how I feel. Um, to, to Dave's point before, I mean, I think that there's, been a lot of decent work that's been done that is sort of let down by the conclusion to this window and as much as the angst that you're hearing uh, from many of us on Twitter and and uh, probably in the chat today uh, in relation to not signing a striker on deadline day almost sounds very like cliche in terms of wanting some signing at the last minute to really pump us up this is really uh, been coming for a while. This has been a long-term abject failure uh, by this. Uh, by, and, and let's go ahead and say Kevin Thelwell, um, the board, whoever you want to name um, to not replace Richarlison um, with any sort of uh, what anyone could class as a um, replacement level um, acquisition uh, that that's worthy of Richarlison. Now, I, I think that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but I do think that um, when you look at the overall business that Everton have done this season, they've made one marquee signing and they've signed a bunch of, for lack of a better term, journeymen, uh, guys who've been playing in the league for a while Um Guys that are coming in on freeze or on very uh, low, uh, low transfer fees, um, guys like Dwight McNeil, who if you wanted to squint and say, well, there's your Richarlison replacement, a guy who scored zero goals and had one assist last season, um, who I view, I view as a reclamation project who could very well bounce back, but no one can look, you can't really look anyone, uh, look at anyone uh, with a straight face and say, well, Dwight McNeil, that's, that's clearly your, your Richarlison replacement. Um, I know some will say, well, if you start adding up the goals between Neil Mope and what Gordon's going to score this season and, but, you know, and, and you start to, you start to hear people really stretching for a justification. Um, uh, Amadou Onana is the only real, high quality, what you would refer to as kind of no-brainer foundational piece that, that Everton have acquired this summer. And so the work feels very incomplete. This side um, has a more, is going to have a more consistent back, back four or five. Um, I think that in terms of just guys who are probably going to stay fit, I think that's great. The midfield is absolutely better, uh, but the attack is worse. And we didn't score many goals last season. That was a problem. And the league around us, as Matt has noted many times, has just gotten better and better. And now we are staring at another season of, 
I don't I don't feel like we'll be embarrassed as often. I think that we will probably get by on on turning losses into draws as we've already seen early in the season. But we're going to have trouble scoring goals on a consistent basis um, by the looks of it. Now, if if and, and, and we are the club of if if that Dominic Calvert-Lewin comes back and is this injury was really a relatively minor blip and not a reoccurrence of the same long-term problems from last uh, from uh, last season. Um, if Neil Mope can chip in with uh, about the same level of goals that he's been scoring in the past, uh, if Anthony Gordon can uh, you know, he scored two goals and I, I have already heard people say, well, look, he's on his way to scoring double digits. I mean, he might be, uh, but, but let's, let's wait and see on that. If a lot of things happen, Everton could be the same or marginally better scoring. And boy, that is not exactly the inspirational, um, you know, go to war sort of message that uh, I wanted to, to have going into uh, the remainder of this season. And so I think that we're now in a place where um, we have to ask ourselves some pretty tough questions about uh, Kevin Thelwell, about the, um, you know, I said that we can't judge him until the end of this window. Well, we're just about there. Um, Farhad Mashiri and, and the board released a very highly publicized letter that said, judge us at the end um, of the window. And so all of those things where we now have reached the judgment day itself uh, are weighing pretty heavily. Um, I'm, I'm kind of in the mode right now of, of viewing this window. If, if no, if no striker comes in, in the next uh, 45 minutes uh, as being about a five, five out of 10. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, Adam, I think we've got you back now. Um, I, I, I feel okay. like I'm painting a kind of a doomy gloomy picture here, buddy, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a letdown, isn't it, uh, when you sell your most important attacking high pedigree player and you don't really seem in any way, shape or form to make an attempt to replace him with someone of either similar quality or someone uh, of uh, raw ability that could that could have potentially re- reached the the level of quality of someone like Richarlison, who um, admittedly is probably still not the finished product himself. But um, that's kind of what we're staring at right now. Um, Adam, I'm going to start with you. I want your basic thoughts on the window, and I want to I want to kick off with a question as well. Frank Lampard is going to get some support and has been getting some support. Is he good enough of a manager to overcome? a lack of certain uh, resources in the squad that, that he and probably others thought that he would have. I think in terms of, of Lampard specifically, he has been given a number of signings that I imagine he's asked for specifically in terms of not just a couple of replacements. I think he's tried to actually build his own squad in one window here. And the, the comparison you can make really is, is Palace last season where they had a, a very old squad, a squad that was out of form, a squad that was struggling in the Premier League. Patrick Vera comes in and, and basically makes five, six, seven signings, which on paper may not have looked like it's going to take them to the next level. But at the same time, he's building a squad that is going to be well implemented into his system, his way of playing and his vision. And, and while I agree with, with most of the points that the lads have said, and, and you've said yourself, Rob, around 
missing maybe that one bit of real quality that could not just excite Evertonians, but really put us in good stead to finish a lot better than we did last year. I'm also really optimistic with the business we have done in terms of the players that we've brought in, the profile that we've brought in, the players that we've, we've got rid of, whether it's end of contract or somehow got them out the door. Of course, Richarlison's the exception to that rule. But at the same time, we are still missing one or two. And of course, Richarlison's replacement is one of those. However, I just think that Frank Lampard might be looking at this saying, I've got, and I love Dave's analogy before, actually, I've got 80, 90% of what I asked for here. If this is the plan, and if this is the, the longevity that the Everton board are backing him with, then it's not going to be an overnight success. It's not going to be turning Everton from a relegation battling side with an ageing squad, with a, a really poor squad, actually, not just from a, a technical point of view, but from a, a mentality point of view, losing games and not being able to turn themselves the around. So I think going back to your initial question, Rob, it's more about I, I'm, I'm happy with Everton's window. I could be happier, but I can see the vision, which is something we haven't been able to say for a long, long time. You look at Adrissa Garnagay, you look at James Tarkovsky, Connor Cody, that's a profile of experience, a little bit of narc, a little bit of now, but we're starting to bring in these young lads, the young and hungry, the profile that we've all spoken about before, the likes of Onana, the likes of Dwight McNeil, the likes of James Garner, and people who are actually going to be playing for Everton for a long period of time but also they're going to be playing into Frank Lampard's style and, and, and his vision, really. So mm. all in all, I'm, I'm really happy, actually. And as long as Dominic Calvert-Lewin can come back, score goals, I think Neil Mopé could be a really screwed signing in support of, of Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Then who's to say Everton can't have a good season? Because if you name a starting eleven of the players we've signed and the players we've got, we're definitely in a better position than we were last year. Yeah, um, just just very quickly to jump in there. Everton have confirmed the sign of James Garner from Manchester United. Um, he is he is through the door. Um, interesting to see what he, what he has to say and all that. We'll, we'll go through that. But um, we've had a lot of comments in as well. Cheers to everyone who's, who's dropping them. Um, Ian Bear just has said uh, Gordon and Gray will be massively better than last season. We have a backup striker now. It's not all doom and gloom. Um, CJ EFC for life said Shane Barcudos not happening it's Man United's fault for signing Anthony I'm assuming <laughs> uh, Ian Bird just said wow Rob cheer up mate step back and look at the whole picture um, I'm assuming that's what his voice sounds like uh, he said Tarkovsky Cody Patterson all improve on last season's defence and Arna Awobi and Gay is massively better than Alan and Decore and uh, Matthew Follis said I think the World Cup would help us Calvert-Lewin has eight games and then a two-month break. But, but yeah, Rob, cheer up, mate. Come on. Oh, yeah. I mean, we all know that amongst uh, us that I'm the negative one, uh, clearly. Uh, <laughs> it's so the irony of all of this now is that I've been the one who's been saying we've got a reserve judge. And, and I meant what I said, and I don't really back off of that. I think you have to wait until the end of this window to, to kind of judge the, the total picture. Um, I... I I, I think that, Adam, you make a lot of good points. And I do want to get on to talk about James Garner a little bit. And, and obviously, you know, Matt, if you want to jump in with thoughts, you can. I know you're, you're producing and doing all your technical wizardry right now. But um, look, I, Adam, I think, makes some really good points. I, I'm, I'm not calling this window a, a complete disaster. I'm, I, I think that in terms of just um, 
if you if you want me to kind of take a glasses half full look at this and adam i think this is so, somewhat in line with what you're saying too it's that we brought in a lot more we didn't bring in a lot of high quality but we did bring in a lot of very kind of solid reliable dependable squad players which let's let's be honest i, I think that part of what everton what what really cost everton over the last uh, few years or last few seasons but especially last season was just you know they had a couple of top end players and just a lot of really bad bad a lot of bad depth um they were really really susceptible to injuries um i am uh, you know i'm i think the jury is I, the jury is still out after five games on on some of the new additions certainly but i definitely think that their the improvement defensively is I mean, everyone points to Tarkovsky and Cody. I think that they are both perfectly fine center halves. I think the, their main strength is their uh, their availability, <laughs> and, and I think that's going to be really helpful. Um, but I think that part of the strength as well, frankly, and this is part of what makes me a someone who wants to give Frank Lampard time, is that he is – uh, very willing to develop younger players and play them. And um, I was a little concerned when we brought Nathan Patterson and in January and he didn't play and then he got injured that, Oh, here we go again. But um, he's, he, he's going to, he looks like he's going to be hard to move off of the, the right back or right wing back position. I think Mikalinko, he struggled a little bit, but overall, I mean, we saw how he came on at the end of last season. Um, I like having young, young players, young pacier players in those positions. I think it certainly helps the defense overall. Um, you know, Dwight McNeil for, for what he is, um, and I'm not down on the Dwight McNeil signing for the money, certainly. Um, I think that he was kind of under the radar really good the other night uh, in terms of his, his defensive play. I, I think that he's got to, but, but now when you don't, but all these things said, and then the midfield, obviously, with Awobi and Anana, Anana, already just those two alone, I think Gay will certainly improve it. We'll go on to talk about Garner in a minute, but, but the midfield is certainly strengthened. So those things are good. That's wonderful. The problem becomes where do the goals come from? And um, you're then asking everyone to do a little more than maybe they were expecting to be able to do. You're now asking Dwight McNeil to score more than you probably want needed him to score. You are asking Anthony Gordon to develop, you know, very quickly. You are asking Damari Gray, who is probably better suited as a luxury piece off the bench instead of starting lots of games, to to now also uh, continue to maintain that form, and so. They are now, let's just say you have all of those attacking players that we just talked about, Calvert-Lewin, Neil Mope, um, Gray, Gordon, um, achieving at a relatively high level. It takes one injury uh, for that to, to kind of begin to fall apart a little bit. And so I think that's where my concern is, is I just don't know where the goals are coming from. And um, Adam, I, I want to turn it to you because I know you wanted to respond there and then we'll, we'll bring Lyndon Lloyd in. Hey, Lyndon, how's it going, buddy? Um, I, I want to get your thoughts on that, um, Adam, but also the, uh, your thoughts on, on uh, James Garner, who every time I hear his name, I think of, um, if you're an American, you hear James Garner and you think of one of the coolest, uh, you know, cowboy actors that ever walked the face of the earth, but uh, uh, Maverick himself. But um, I, I'm, I'm curious as to 
what you think of the move for, for James Garner within the context of us missing out on what was such a, such a clear need in terms of adding another attacking goal scoring player and yet going out and spending double digit money, you know, double digits on, on a young midfielder that is kind of just, I, I don't know that I've seen enough to think that Garner's special. He just he seems kind of like a solid midfielder. I, I don't know if that was the need right now, but Hey, I'd love your I'd love your thoughts on on any of that, Adam. So, I think looking back at talking about where we were last season in terms of quality wise and the likes of Richarlison having to be at the top of his game to really win Everton games, and then you look at Everton now at the end of this transfer window, the averages of our quality of squad, I believe, has improved massively. And we talk about strength and depth, and agreed that if, if one or two get an injury, then we're starting to maybe look a little bit like we did last season. But actually, I saw a graphic yesterday of the lead team um, who started this week and then a team last season in a similar position. And there's been massive changes to Everton's squad and the back four for one of those, I think none of those players who started last season were, were playing in this game particularly. And, and I think that the, realist, the realistic nature of where we are at the moment is a lot of Evertonians including ourselves, need to almost get real in a sense of this is a process, a massive process. Everton haven't been a hard-to-beat, well-oiled machine for probably five or six years now. And Frank Lampard and Calvin Selwell aren't going to be able to change that in six, 12 months. What we are doing is starting to, as I've said, build a squad here. And the best teams in the league, what they do is they have good players, who then are able to perform at a higher level, but they also have good players who can be in and around that squad and fit in as and when they're needed. And with Everton's nature of last year of having four or five players who were very good, take two of them out of the squad and, and you're very quickly looking at a bang average relegation side, what I hope and what it feels like is that Kevin Selwell and Frank Lampard have started to bring that average up in terms of quality. And who's to say in January and in the following summer, that's when you start to take your one or your two players from you know, further afield or go and get your diamonds in the rough and, and bring in real quality because what Everton are doing now is wholesale changes to bring in five, six, seven, eight players to make their team better. But then moving forward, that's when you get those drops of quality in. And, and prime example, as much as we hate to say it, at Liverpool, they don't rush. They don't panic buy. They don't sign players because they feel like they need to do it. They sign players in a way that they know are going to improve their team. And that's what Everton need to do from now because we've done it too many times where we panic by, we get a player in, we spend stupid money, we give him a stupid contract, he doesn't perform, and then we're back to square one trying to get him off the books. Everton now are making through signings on better contracts, younger profiles, or if it's not a younger profile, it's, it's, it's them about having to perform to earn the keep. And yeah. I think James Garner, to, to move on to him, is probably one of those. It's, it's kind of low risk and it's high reward because if James Garner can come in and kick on and really ignite his career as a young, hungry footballer, then Everton are going to get a really good player on the hands. But if not, he's still going to be at a position where he's young enough and he's got a decent enough reputation that you can move him on and recoup a little bit of fun. So, listen, I totally agree with you, Rob, and it's always nice as Evertonians to sit here on deadline day and you're chasing Marouane Fellaini around the hotel or you've got someone random that's going to come in we've never heard of who is definitely going to be the answer. But at the same time, I believe that Everton are in a much better position here. Of course, there's a number of caveats with injuries, with keeping players who are 
going to be needed to be scoring goals, to score goals. Andy Gordon's kicked on in the past couple of weeks. I think Damari Gray's had a decent start to the season. And if you get Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Neil Mope scoring 10 goals each, then Everton can fire themselves up the table. However, yeah. I do I do agree in, in the way that we just want a little bit of something to scream and shout about. But this is a long process and it's not going to be changed overnight at Everton Football Club. And, and Evertonians need to be a little bit patient because it is a work in progress. Well, 10, 10 goals each, I could live with that. Uh, with that, I bring on uh, the, the, uh, the con side of this argument, I think, uh, Lyndon Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> who I think, uh, no, I, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Adam made, made really good points. Um, Lyndon, I, I, I feel like you and I, at least just based on uh, what I saw online, shared some kind of similar disappointment with the lack of attacking reinforcement uh, that has not been addressed, that we kept waiting to be addressed, and we waited till today to be addressed, and it just doesn't look like it's going to be. Uh, your thoughts on maybe not just today, but uh, the window as a whole as we come to the end of the window, how much of, how much of your assessment of this window is based on the inability for Everton to get in that last player? I don't think you can ignore it because it's such an important piece. Um, yeah, I, like you, as someone who really enjoys the theatre of it all and, and having lived through some, you know, pretty exciting deadline days in the past, you, you kind of want them to pull something out of the hat right at the end and, you know, put a, put a, a nice bow on the whole thing. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm disappointed. Um, and I think particularly, as everyone has said, the, the recruitment to this point has been pretty effective. You know, I think we've addressed some 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 key areas of the team. We're stronger, I think, on balance everywhere apart from in attack. Um, and that hopefully won't, hopefully won't come back to, to bite us. I think, um, you know, Dave... Rob, Adam, you've all summed it up pretty well. Um, just on James Garner, I think you you, you kind of take him out of the deadline day scramble a little bit. I think he's one of those players that we saw an opportunity to grab um, a fairly highly rated young player for what lots of people who know a lot more about it than I do seem to think is a, is a bit of a steal um, based on his performances for, for Forrest and, and how he was regarded. Um, I think one of the... Um, the Manchester United players was asked a couple of years ago, which was one of the players that they were really excited about from their youth setup. And James Garner was the one. So, you know, I think um, <laughs> he's one for the future, but he, even if he plays this season, you might find he's more effective than Andre Gomez. In which oh. case, you know, <laughs> in which case job, job done, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think having had what's been a fairly tough start to the season and in many ways, quite a concerning one mm. um, given you know, our lack of goals and also how teams around us feel maybe Bournemouth aside um, a lot more um, potent this season, a bit stronger. Um, mm -hmm. I think that in many ways, um, for that reason, we were hanging our hats on us getting at least one more attacking player in. Um, particularly going into these next two games, you just kind of wanted something, to, like an injection of something that just the fans could get excited about, but also the, the, the team could feel like, okay, we've got someone up front who can actually get us something you know if we, when we really need it and that's that's my concern i think neil molpe will definitely help um but i think you know many of us feel that he alone won't be enough um so you're really putting a lot of hope and faith in dominic calvert lewin coming back in the next week or so and then staying fit for yeah. the majority of the season or at least until you know mid-january um and that was last season's plan and it almost blew up in our face in the worst way so that's 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 what I can't I can't escape that and I 
I feel like we're going into the next few weeks um, feeling up against it, feeling as though it's going to be a real struggle like most of last season was. And that could have been avoided if we'd just be able to find something um, in this last couple of days. I understand it's, it's one of the hardest um, parts of the, of the pitch to address. Um, I was listening to Fabrizio Romano's thing on Twitch earlier, and he was talking to a Sampdoria fan, and he, and he was saying, oh, yeah, I'm hoping for some news. We're looking for a striker. Like, everyone's looking for a striker. Everyone's so I looking. feel yeah. like, um, you know, it's it's something that I'm I'm glad we didn't panic into giving you know Blackburn ridiculous amounts of money for a player who's going to be free in a few months' time. I think that was wise. Um, but, yeah, you just hope that you just, you just hope that they'd be able to find something else and they haven't. Yeah. Um, oh, go, Matt, I think you had uh, some reader comments coming yeah. in, but, but Lyndon, no, I, 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 I agree. I, I, I think we are, and we can discuss this more. Certainly. I think people will be torn a little bit between do you spend a little extra to address and maybe overspend slightly to bring that player in because you're mm-hmm. worried about what the impact is ultimately going to be on a season and getting into a relegation fight again, or this is the thing we've been screaming for is that we want them to make more responsible decisions. But I guess I keep just coming back to the fact that we, we sold our most important attacking player and really haven't done much to address some of that. Uh, Matt, you've got some, uh, some uh, comments from uh, the gallery. Yeah. Um, we've had, so it's going around through some of them. Uh, Uncle Superfly said, I wouldn't have minded lack of four purchases if we kept Sims in the squad. Uh, Martin Clark said, do you not think Townsend coming back shortly takes away the need for a further winger slash forward, uh, given the fact he chipped in with a few years fit last season? How far away and, is uh, Townsend, do we know? I think it's New Year. I think we're probably looking at New Year, I reckon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Matt McGrath <laughs> said, surely without the Phantom Gordon money, a major late spree was always doubtful. Uh, marquee money gets marquee players. I think the well ran dry. Not the worst window, but for me, we are one striker short. And, and just actually, Robert Alan Fahili's just joined the call yeah. as well. He, I was hoping it was going to come around about this time when we were just sealing a move for Samuel Chukwueze <laughs> from Villarreal, and you could tell us all about how great this lad's going to be and how he's going to tear it up for us. But uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, does it, Alan? No, it seems to be dead in the water. To be fair, um, like. I think we can argue whether we're suited for the rest of the season or not. But the fact of the matter is that they were trying until the last for Brereton Diaz and also for somebody like Chico Wazi, a wide forward. So evidently, in a perfect world, they would have brought in somebody in of both profiles and didn't. So that's just the fact of life that they live with, basically, you know. Um, but I think overall, the window was fairly positive. I think we brought in, you know, good characters, good leaders like Tarkovsky, like Cody, um, Onana, Gay, I think, is a huge signing. I really think he could transform a midfield and really can change the face of the team. Um, but obviously, in an ideal world, we would have in somebody with a bit more attacking weight because I think you're right. Like, we can't rely purely on um, Mopai and Cavaloon for the rest of the season. So, mixed feelings. I mean, the beginning of the season for me has been very, very nerve wracking. I feel like we're going to have to fight for every single point that we have available to us. Um, but I think that we're definitely stronger ending the window than when we began it because I think that we always knew Richardson was going to leave but uh, so while we could have replaced him I wish we did I think that we're in decent place generally I think that the strength in the spine of the team in centre defence and centre midfield is better than what it was before we began the window Um, obviously the striker situation is not ideal but it's what we have to shake our hands with and deal with basically you know 
Alan, what have you made of, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious because I think that the way everyone views these first five games, like I was saying to Matt the other night on our, our final um, transfer pod before today, that I, I thought that the way in which a lot of us would look at these first five games, frustrating as they may be, that we've gotten, um, you know, we've gotten a, you know three draws out of at this point. We have no wins, but depending on, uh, it's it's one of those things where if you look at the games themselves, or if you look at just the 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 points output, the table. And you don't know anything about how we played. You'd find it really disconcerting. And yet, I think there are some who would say, if you watch the games, that that you can see the striker-sized hole in the attack. That if they, if Everton are playing, even with a Neil Mope for one of those games, <laughs> that that we might be looking at, at different results. Maybe we feel very differently about all of this. Um, I I am someone who has viewed the biggest improvement, and I think that defensively it, we've been. I think uh, we were we were kind of fortunate to escape uh, conceding three or four goals to Brentford, to be honest. But I, I think we've been okay defensively. But I think the biggest improvement to me is clearly in midfield. And in midfield, that's where we spent money on the biggest player that we acquired this summer in, in, in Onana. And I think that it's not a coincidence that he and Awobi look better. But what do you make of these first few games in terms of the prognosis for Everton moving forward? Do you look at it as, well, if we can, if Calvert-Lewin or Mope, uh, but hopefully Calvert-Lewin comes back in and, and is playing alongside Gordon and one of either Gray or McNeil, um, or maybe even Mope, I don't know if they're in play two strikers. Do you see there, that making that much of a difference? Uh, or are there still things that are big underlying concerns for you based on what you've seen so far that you don't even think a striker insertion is necessarily going to address? Well, I think it's kind of a two-pronged start to the season for me. I think that the positive side of things is the character. I think that the players are exhibiting a team spirit that we haven't seen for several years. I think mm. it was evidence against Leeds when, you know, Gordon and I think it was um, Tom Davies were getting into a bit of a scrap and Connor Cody and Tarkovsky sprinted the length of the pitch to get involved. And like, mm. personally, I think that's a base requirement for any Everton team. Like, you know, it goes back to the dogs of war mentality. I think it's a really important attribute that Evertonians love and it helps Evertonians connect with the team and it helps the team be competitive because I think Evertonians will accept a lack of quality and a lack of kind of, you know, ingenuity, but will never accept a lack of effort. And I think that if a player and a group of players are working together, if they have their own, each other's backs, if they're fighting for every ball, playing with a bit of, you know, aggression, a bit of spice to the game, I think it makes a huge difference. But that's coupled with a lack of, in my opinion, tactical cohesion, a lack of a clear idea and a lack of quality. And that's really dangerous, to be honest with you, because... I don't like the three-to-back system personally, but at the same time, I'm not sure about Lampard switching from a three to a four so quickly, you know, after four games of a season. It screams to me that he doesn't know what his best system is. He doesn't know how to structure a team properly. Um, I don't see the same patterns of play that I see in Leeds United, that I see in Brighton, that I see in Brentford. And these are Leeds, Brightford, Brighton and Brentford. These are clubs that we have been aeons above in the last 15 to 20 years my entire time supporting Everton I'm genuinely looking at these clubs these teams and envying them the way I used to envy 
the top teams in the country. And that's a massive concern. And I think that Frank Lampard, I really like him as a person. I genuinely believe he's working very hard. He's trying his best to get the team working together in the best way possible. But I think that his tactical failings are evident in the team. And for that reason, I'm worried about the season greatly, to be honest with you, because no longer do we have the quality where it's kind of a situation of, okay, we're underperforming, we're below par. But if the players can sing from the same hymn sheet and perform the way we know we can, we'll be fine. At this rate, even if these players are performing at the limit of their ability, they're still not capable of, you know, a top half European finish because the quality of the kind of middle pack in the Premier League is so high these days that there's no easy game. So when I look at the fixture list, every single fixture gives me fear in some way. I can find some way of looking at a fixture negatively, genuinely, like, and it's giving me anxiety. And I'm arguing with my dad about this over the last few weeks where I'm kind of saying, you know, like we're losing points against Nottingham Forest at home. Where are the points going to come from? We lost to Aston Villa, probably one of the crisis teams of the season so far. Like, where are these points coming from? There's not 25 teams in this league. There's 20. And all 20, practically, aside from Bournemouth, are very capable on their day. And I just don't think we have the quality to see out games and win games that we should normally be winning. So I'm worried, to be honest with you, given what things, what's happened so far. Well, Alan, I, I recall that you were pretty excited about us moving to a three-man midfield, buddy. So I'm going to hold you yeah. to that. I, I, I hear you on that. And, and Dave, I want to bring you back around on this too. But, um, you know, on the one hand, it's like he's been going with five at the back. And what, I, what I've not been able to figure out is... <laughs> Was that a reaction essentially to not having Gay and, you know, I guess now we can look at Gay, Garner and, and others that have now been brought in, but uh, feeling like that was the best option that he had. Um, the second part of that, I guess, being um, do we do we fault uh, him for moving too quickly away from five from, you know, the, the five at the back? Or would we conversely be upset if he was not responsive enough and waited too long to move to a three man? I, I just say before Dave answers that, like, I, I, I'm not upset about the three, the moves, to the three man midfield. I like that. That's okay. I want everyone to play four three three. That's the best option for them, in my opinion. But I think that. The fact that he changed so quickly in the season hints to me that he doesn't know what his best system is. He's not sure what the best system to play is. So I hope it was a precursor to Ghana coming in, but I'm not sure. Right. Guante, look away. That's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm hoping for for sure. Dave, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think Alan's spot on there. I don't I don't think he fully trusts his own convictions at times. Um, Lampard and look, I think that that happens when you're a relatively new manager. Um, it should happen, I think, because he's got the right people around him. I think Paul Clement, I've, I've been a big fan of Paul Clement for a long, long time. I know when he went into management on his own, he didn't do so well. But as a coach, he was on, alongside Ancelotti for so long. And, and Al will know a lot more about um, about that than me. But you, your first point there about when he's gone with five at the back, um, I think his initial thought, the first thing that's in his head is that we lack a certain quality or a, a certain substance in front of the five that make it the go-to decision for him. Um, and I think as well, when we've got Cody in, and I, I, I seem pretty fixated on Cody these days, um, and hopefully we'll be having a chat to him soon on, on the on the Blue Room. But in, in general, when we got him in, um, I think many Wolves fans, and tell you it's no secret for many of their fans, 
to suggest that the reason they were happy for him to go or the reason why he was allowed to leave was because they wanted to shift from having a three central defenders at the back. Um, and that's what he's mainly been so successful with in his career. Um, you can see that with England as well. If you watch England a lot, Gareth Southgate likes to throw him in the, him in the middle of a back three, including Tarkovsky as well. By the way, that's a that's an important thing, I think, to keep in everybody's mind. That these these are international defenders that we brought in, which, uh, by and large, should say that that is a really decent part of the transfer window. Um, the, the obvious thing is there for us all to see as we wait. We've got twenty odd minutes left that we can potentially get a striker. It doesn't look like it's going to happen now, but um, that's the missing piece of the jigsaw. We all know that, and we'll go into a lot more deeper detail about that. But um, then when you've seen against Leeds, um, I was absolutely delighted for Conor Cody's performance at Elland Road. That's a tough place to go to in this league. They had a really good start to the season. They battered Chelsea 3-0. Um, they, it's a powerful place to go to. Make no mistake about it. It's it's a type of cauldron that I think Liverpool would like to refer themselves as, but they're actually not. Um, it's, you know, it's how we... I think started to become as everybody started to get together when we needed those must-win three-point games to keep us in the Premier League towards the end of last season, um, and it, it just seems to be like straight off a duck's shoulder. Um, he, he's happy to be involved in that, and to do that while he's in a flat back four, who um, I think just as a bit of a side note, I think Mikhailenko really struggled the other night. That's just my personal opinion. I thought Patterson was great. Um, but the two central defenders, Tarkovsky and Cody, made themselves our first, our priority first two centre backs. And seeing Cody perform like that, I think for many people who, who had this fixated in their minds for a long time that he was only ever going to be good in a back five, I think that complete. And I put the tweet out there; it, it completely put it to bed that he can't play in in a flat back four. Um, he can't keep playing offside positions. He can't make people offside. All of that stuff, I think he's completely put it to bed. And that, I think that's that's a real credit to him um, because he's, he's come in and, and I think the, the reputation he's had, obviously many people would say, oh, you know, he's a cop-eyed, so I don't like him, I don't trust him, whatever. I think you need to quickly get out that, that out of your mind because it's a bit immature anyway to think that about a professional who is a professional in every sense of the words. You hear him speak, you hear him lead, you hear him, you see him with the captain's armbands for, for so much of his career. I think that was that's one of our, if not best, uh, signing uh, in this window, getting him in, because I think I, I think he, he'll go a long way to keeping us a lot of clean sheets. And I know we haven't had one yet, despite the fact he's played in all of them, but... Um, he, he, he will be largely responsible when Everton start getting clean sheets this season, in my opinion. So um, I don't have a problem with them playing in a four. In fact, I, I hope that's an encouragement from seeing what happened at Leeds four Lampard. I think that's what I'm going to now as my go-to start-up. It's going to be a back four. Cody, Tarkovsky, um, Mikhailenko. And I know he hasn't had the best of starts, certainly in Brentford and uh, and Leeds. And uh, Patterson, who's I think he's going to be a superstar, that young lad at right back. I think there's your natural back four. And then I think, like, just to go back to what Alan referred to, going 3-3 is exactly what we want to see, exactly what we need. The only thing that we're missing is the elephant in the room, not having 
the front three that you particularly want. And that's been seen in what we've watched so far this season, not having a striker, not having a finisher, not having someone who we can cross the ball into, which is, to extend that, the reason why we bought someone like Dwight McNeil to cross the ball. He's not been able to cross it to anyone, so it's true. I sort of feel sorry for him, but that shows you why there's been so much issues and blame thrown towards recruitment and, and the board. And I say recruitment in a wide way because I don't think it's Thelwell's fault whatsoever. This has been due to what's happened previous to him. Did, you know, just want to quickly jump in there, just onto something that um, Alan was saying and, and in regards to the quality of the league going up. And I, I had that feeling watching the game between Wolves and Newcastle on Sunday. And in that game, it wasn't, it wasn't an amazing game, but you saw Ruben Neves bang one in from 30 yards. And then you saw Alan St. Maximan volley a ball out the sky into the bottom corner in the last minute to get um, Newcastle a point. You see, I sort of looked at Yeah, and, and, and yeah, Isaac as well. I sort of looked at it for those two sides could finish bottom half. Like, genuinely, yeah. both of those teams could finish in the bottom half of, of the table. You know, people were talking earlier this season about Wolves and how they, they feel like they're going to struggle. You sign players like Nunes, they've obviously got Guedes in there as well, and there's obviously a lot of work for them to do still, but it feels like every team up and down the league now has got a player of that quality that can do, or at least one player of that quality can, that can do something like that, where they just create a moment out of nothing in the final third and they can score a goal. And I'm not entirely sure we have. You know, Anthony Gordon's a, a, an excellent young player with, with a lot of potential. Dominic Carvalhoen is a, a fine centre-forward who when you give him the service, he'll score goals. But to do something like that, to create something out of nothing, to, to really show that little bit of magic, it feels probably about 15, 16 teams in the league have got have got that player now. And I, I don't know if we have. And, and that's, you know, me and you have been speaking, Rob, the last few weeks about what we want everything to do and what we think the short. And, and that's why I sort of feel like we're, we are one high-class forward down. I think, in that sense. And you look at someone like Richarlison, and maybe he wouldn't volley the ball in from 30 yards or, you know, do something mad like that. But he, he, had, he had that ability to conjure something out of nothing in, in the penalty area or just run onto a pass and, and finish nicely. And I, I, I just don't look at that. That's how we've got at the moment and I think we've got it. But um, I'll just quickly rattle through some questions we've had and, and pass on to, to Mick Green, all who's, who's joined us as well. Um, Matt McGrath said Mikolenko's been fine I don't get these recent issues with him Dave you can come back to that later <laughs> we've got Andrew Alice saying more concerned about the lack of another striker until January uh, not too concerned about switching between four and five depending on who we're playing uh, and Anders Kondrup has said I think the staff know fairly well what they're doing five at the back was a clear choice because of no quality midfielders regarding the goals I think we'll be much better off because of this uh, Mick Greenall how are you mate? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Completely lost track of time, to be honest. I thought it was still like half nine, but I still thought there was some sort of <laughs> glimmer of hope that we might sign someone. But um, yeah, I didn't realise the deadline was in like eight minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, Mick, I want to. I actually want to ask you a question to tee you off a little bit here. Um, you made a comment that I made note of uh, on, on Twitter, gosh, probably week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago, I think it was in the midst of, of not just you, but most of us thinking that Anthony Gordon was, was going to go to Chelsea. Um, I think it was before we 
knew that the offer from Chelsea wasn't quite what it was hyped up to be. And, and I, I don't think fundamentally you're going to hear a lot of people complain tonight. And I don't think anyone said it, that, that they're upset that Gordon is, is still at Everton given that, that offer, but you made the comment and I, and I think that a lot of people feel the same way. And I'm, I'm, I do have my concerns about it that, if Anthony Gordon stays, uh, the the as we've seen in the past, uh, hell, we have a song about a fifty million pound player that we we didn't actually pay fifty million for. The truth of the fee or the truth of the alleged offer or whatever doesn't matter so much as the perception. Uh, Anthony Gordon now is going to be at Everton and expected now, especially because we have not signed an additional attacking player to supply additional goals. Now he's got to kind of play up to this hype. I imagine a new contract is certainly on the way too. Um, that feels, and I don't know how you feel about this. And I say this because I want to be as, uh, you know, I don't want to be disingenuous. I don't know that I still class Gordon as someone who's going to be a superstar, but now he's going to have to really up his game and continue what he's been doing in terms of scoring goals. I want to hear your overall thoughts on the window, but I want you to, if you don't mind, start with, with what you think, how you think all of this uh, impacts Anthony Gordon moving forward. Well, I, I think, I think that's the tweet you, that you were getting at was, and this was before, before Brentford, I think it was, was um, I think there was a, a rumor at the time that Everton rejected 60 million. I don't think that would, it, from, from what I gathered, ever turned out to be true. But I think I said, Specifically, that it was counterproductive for Everton to keep Anthony Gordon out. Um, I think just based on it offline, I think people had watched the first, um, I think it must have been three games at that point, and it was very clear that Everton still needed additions in um, attacking areas. And all of a sudden, you've got a club offering a sizable amount of money that gives Everton the opportunity to, to go by players and solve those issues straight away. And I think Gordon almost became, I don't know, he, always, he became an opportunity for Everton and for Everton fans to, to for optimism, really, for the season, to, to go out and buy, you know, shiny new players. And and I thought the fact that, especially when £60 million was, was being touted, if he stayed, fans are. And I think, and I, I, I don't know if they, they will, but my expectation is fans will expect Gordon now to, to play the season. Um, like someone who is a sixty million pound player, and and I think realistically, you know, coming into this window, for, for me, Everton should have been bringing in players. You know, doesn't even irrespective to what happened to Richarlison and Calvert Lewin, um, bringing in players with the idea in mind that Anthony Gordon's still very much a project and shouldn't be allowed to start thirty eight games a season. As it happens, he he well up until Christmas, he he will be relied to to start pretty much every game and be a very important cog in this team. And to be fair to him, since that tweet, he's he's scored two in two games. And um, metrics-wise, you, you know I love my data, Rob. Um, <laughs> he's, looked, he's looked very promising. And, you know, I think it's... Gordon's still a young player, and, and I think it was very easy to, to get caught in the idea that Chelsea were bidding 45, 50 million for a player who only scored four goals and got two assists last season. But there's no reason to say that he can't make another jump this year and and double, if not add more, to, to, to those contributions. And if he does, effectively, there's your Richarlison replacement. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. 
In terms of, you know, Anthony Gordon's like a new signing, I'll go with that. Um, <laughs> do you not um, think, though, yeah. do, you, do you not think, though, that, and I think you made an excellent point there, do, do you not think that there's um, the absolute weight on his shoulders now uh, insurmountable? For him, I know he's a, I know he's a world class looking talent, but mm. he remains a talent. I know people can sit here and say, and people will, will no doubt in their comments tell us how good that lad is going to be. I don't have any doubts about that. I, I've I've started even to look at him, particularly with these last couple of games, the way we started to look at, at Rooney when we were hearing from him, um, before he'd even kicked the ball for the first team, and seeing photos of him scoring all over. Um, parks around Liverpool scoring all sorts of goals from ridiculous like Rooney. <laughs> all, 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 all of that I'm, I'm starting to get a feeling like that towards Anthony Gordon from seeing what he was yeah. doing he has some ridiculous skill um, I think if you're looking outside from a, a non-Everton perspective you're looking at him seeing a, a player that doesn't belong at Everton and the thing that, that I, I'm looking at him seeing is somebody I desperately want him to stay, I've said I, I wanted them to leave. I, I wanted them to leave because I think, in well, certainly in recent weeks, and certainly since we've seen him at Everton, we've seen him come through and, and, and shine in all sorts of things in, in in matches. But I've I've still sat there and I don't know if you guys have or not, and thought there's no way this fella reaches as good as he could possibly be by sticking with us because we're letting him down. We're not having enough decent decency around him, enough players to consist with what he can do with the ball the same as what happened with Rooney and that's why we saw Rooney go to United dominating the Premier League and winning ridiculous amounts of titles Champions Leagues and becoming England's greatest ever goal scorer you know I'm not saying Anthony Gordon is of that level but he, I get that feeling towards seeing what he can potentially do I don't want us to be sat here in four or five years time having not needed to cash in let's face it 60 million whatever it was that was potentially coming our way I thought that that was possibly right now. Sadly, the the indictment that we were in was to have to take that because we need that money to go and buy what we need to stay in the league. Um, now that he stayed, I'm I'm still looking at him and thinking so frustrated in my mind that he hasn't got what he needs around him to be the the, the player that keeps us flying in the league to be the player that we look at consistently every single week, saying he's just won us that match. Now he's just got he's just meant that we haven't lost in the last couple. That's the potential he's got. But it's a it's a crying shame for him personally. If you're his friend, if you're his family member, whatever, if you're watching him play for Everton, you're absolutely buzzing with what he does. But at some point, someone's gonna get to the stage where they think there's not enough around him to make him succeed as much as he should be doing because he's that good. One one man can't control an eleven uh, an eleven person Premier League game, or very rarely you see it. Those ones, especially, you're looking at like like some Messi and whatnot. And I, I, I don't think Gordon's going to be like that. But now, sort of, to, I know I've just banged on with a load of different things I've just said there. But my question back to you there, mate, was you know you see him now the amount of pressure that's going to be on that lad to shine every single week because we don't have a natural goal scorer either fit or a natural scorer in, in, in Mopai in inverted commas I'm referring to there he's got such a burden on his shoulders already I think I haven't watched him in the last well half a dozen games so far and I, I 
it worries me. Uh, it's sort of, it's not, I don't think that's even a question I'm asking you, but do you, do you feel, do you understand what I'm saying about the fear I have for him? Yeah, I think really you, 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 you've got at exactly what I was trying to get at when I, when I tweeted that it was always counterproductive for everything to keep him. In yeah. that, I think Evertonians, very, I think it's the same for pretty much every you know fan base in England. They have um, a way about them in terms of putting an unbelievable amount of pressure on their own players who've come through the academy. Um, and I think we, I think we saw it at times with, with, with Barkley, and I think I, I, I was at Villa away a couple of weeks back and saw it straight. It was almost there then. You know, Gordon was being bullied by, you know, three or four defenders who were almost twice his size and, and were, were, you know, were, were baffled by the fact that he, he couldn't, you know, play as a target man against Tyrone Mings. I think English fans in general are guilty of setting... Um, Setting impossible objectives sometimes for young players, and I yeah. think one of the things with the the rumours of Gordon going, I think fans themselves had kind of, and I was guilty of it myself. Was you go and spend that money in your head? You know, all these links come out of who Everton could replace Gordon with, and you start thinking the amount of goals and the amount of quality you could add to the side with with that money that the Gordon was bringing in, and then eventually he stays, and that quality is not there. And then straight away, that the pressures on Gordon to produce that quality all on himself. The only thing I will say, even in just twelve months, and obviously I know I mentioned that maybe Gordon will, will replace Richarlison's goals and assist himself. He, he, I don't think he will. Um, I'm not saying he won't, but I don't think it's, it's massively likely. In twelve months, in the past twelve months, sorry, Gordon's developed an unbelievable amount. He's changed massively as a player, and I don't think. It's it's impossible for him to take another step or two this season, and I think if he does, then he, he can become an important player. But but yeah, the, the pressure will be unbelievable. Alan, before That's you, uh, Alan, before you go, um, I wanted to ask you just to kind of summarize. Uh, you know, Mick brings up a lot of good points, and, and Dave about kind of the pressure on on Anthony Gordon. Um, I was curious. You mentioned before, you know, some of the concerns that you have about the tactical acumen of Frank Lampard um, and maybe not having some of those kind of win you a game difference maker types. Um, who does the pressure if I think Gordon is probably the easiest answer, um, but is there anyone else that you feel like has the opportunity now to kind of step up or, or maybe even the pressure is kind of piled on as well? I, I feel like it can't all be on Anthony Gordon, even though it, I think the narrative is going to make it feel like he stayed. Uh, he's he's, you know, this this guy who will eventually be worth 60 million or whatever. Um, and and he's going to have to score goals. And there's your Richarlison replacement, which I'd like to contend with that mathematical analysis a little bit. But um, what other opportunities are, are there in the squad? Who has got to step up? Is it is it a simple, is it just got to be an outlier like uh, Damari Gray or, or even Dwight McNeil just having a major bounce back season? Or is it really going to be more of just uh, Everton finding ways to get goal, you know, a few more goals here and there from a few more players to kind of make up that, that cumulative gap that, that they've developed at this point. I'm still reeling from hearing Anthony Gordon compared to Richardson, Wayne Rooney and Leon. <laughs> <Mitchell>. <laughs> yeah. 
that wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> no, that that was me. What? No, I, I'm pleased. Little Messi's name got thrown in there. Oh, yeah. don't, don't don't start putting words in my mouth. What what I was simply saying was the, no, the level of the feeling. Yeah, you know what I mean, Alan? No, only missing, only missing. Cheeky bastard, and he's going as well. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, no, I think I actually like. I genuinely don't think any other player in the squad is capable of stepping up and being that player. I think yeah. the only one is Dominic Calvert-Lewin, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think he come back and play the season he did between 20 and 21 when he was this ultimate complete centre forward, you know, as quick as anybody, as strong as anybody, able to leap as high as anybody, you know, as good in the air, on the grounds. Like if that player comes back, it could be a game changer for everything because if you have an offence where... You've Demari Gray on one side, you've Anthony Gordon on the other, and you've um, Dominic through the middle. Like that completely revolutionizes the way you approach games and the confidence with which you go into games. It's mm-hmm. really, you can't underestimate how important a player like that can be to a team. It can supercharge a team. But outside of Dominic and Anthony, I think it's pretty sparse because I think Dominic, uh, sorry, Demari Gray is a talented guy. We know that, but I think he's far too streaky to ever mm. be properly relied upon of course a whole season Dwight McNeil I mean I'm trying not to be too harsh on the guy but what I've seen from him so far has been diabolical in my opinion I think offensively he's been so poor I know his defensive numbers were good against Leeds on Tuesday but I think from what he's offering in a creative standpoint even things like measuring passes correctly being quick on the turn. He's just been really off the pace. So hopefully that improves over the course of the season. And when he's reference point to play against, maybe he might improve. But so far, I've not been encouraged what I've seen from him. Um, the midfield, there's no goals there. Um, like None of those players in midfield, even Ghana coming in now, don't contribute goals in the way someone like Tim Kale would have in the past, for instance. Um, so yeah, I think that it's basically on Gordon and Dominic Averloen. The one thing about Gordon, though, is I think that he's arrogant. I think he's really arrogant uh, to a point that almost annoys me, to be honest with you. Like putting, putting I quite his- like that though, Alan. I kind of like it. No, I do, <laughs> I, I, I do like I do into his game in the last few weeks. I, I don't know if it's like because of the Chelsea stuff, but it, it, this is it, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like the, putting the ears in the yeah, ears in his ears. I mean, like, like I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, it kind of annoys me a bit, to be honest with you, because like I feel like it's kind of like almost having ideas above your station, but I think it can be a good thing though, to be honest with you, because I think yeah. that Gordon has got an interesting mentality. I mean, we know during lockdown, I think he put on like, what was it? 3kg of muscle or something. He, I remember him, he was pictured, you know, hiring a personal trainer, working hard. So he is very, very focused and driven in improving as a footballer. So I think that arrogance, I think the, the, the interest from Chelsea and Spurs and Newcastle will have beefed up his ego even more. And we'll get kind of go, okay, this is an opportunity for me to prove that I am a 60 million, 70 million, 80 million euro player. So I think that it could work. And I don't, the reason I'm saying this with the arrogance thing is that I think that the expectation that will be placed upon him now by the Evertonians in the Gladys, in the park end, won't actually affect him negatively. It will actually affect him positively because I think that he will look at it as positive pressure upon which you can improve and build. Um, so I think, Basically, yeah, to kind of, you know, wind down my points, I think our only offensive hopes this season in terms of that being that quality player who can change games against other Premier League teams who are all fighting for the same thing is Dominic and Anthony Gordon, to be honest with you. And I, I think Gordon is a better bet right now because I still have serious doubts about Dominic's physical condition. 
So yeah, I think to sum up my answer, which is a bit long-winded, I think that the negative kind of attention that he will receive from both the English press, from social media and from Evertonians will actually not affect him in a negative way. I think it will help him in his game. So I'm really hopeful that he can be the guy who can kind of carry the team forward offensively this season. I'll before, just, just before, before Dave... Oh, oh, I was going to say, Dave, before, before Dave compares him to Erling Holland, I just wanted to say. <laughs> I wanted to ask Alan a question before he went to the room, to the room basically, and not about. <laughs> no, 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 go for it, Dave. I just had Andy to get that. Gordon. But this might well be along the same lines as comparing him to uh, Lionel Messi and Wayne Rooney. But <laughs> do you think, and this is obviously for the room and everybody who's making comments on, on uh, the YouTube line, um, Alan, start with it. Do you think you could ever see him as an out and out striker, Andy Gordon? Um, well, I guess he was he came through as kind of a second striker, right? Kind of as a first, yeah. um, like he's obviously quite slight. I think he's better as a winger, to be honest with you. Um, I think in the modern game, the way things are going, it seems to be the false nine movement is kind of passed, and that teams are now more focused on having that reference point. I mean, we've seen Isaac come into the league, Halan come into the league. Uh, Darwin Nunes come into the league, Gabriel Jesus as well. Like it is the year right now, it seems, of having that reference point up front. So I think the game is evolving in a way that a player like him is again better suited to being in the wide areas. I think that with his attributes, his skill set, he's better suited to be in those wide areas than he is through the middle. Because I think that holding up the ball and you know playing that associative play that you need to do as a false nine isn't particularly getting the best out of his attributes. So I think he could do it. And he's probably the best suited in our squad doing that. I think he's wasted there slightly. I think he's better off on the left wing where he can go and beat a man, get down the touchline and cause things to happen, you know. And also run into um, opposition assistant coaches and start fights with them. <laughs> the, the key attributes, isn't it, really? It's what we all want to see. Um, do you know what? I think we'll wrap the live stream up there, actually, for the night. We have got... 10 past 11. Rob, can you believe it? The transfer window's short. We've, we've made it. Can't wait to go to sleep tonight, buddy. I cannot tell uh, you how much. I cannot. We wait. are going to. We are going to record. The went to sleep at about nine o'clock at night, didn't yeah. we? We are. Yeah, it seems that way. We are going to record a podcast now. So we've got Keith Tomlin and Matt Flusk waiting to, to join the room as well. Um, um, who, who knows? We'll be on that. That'll be subs weekly um, over on the Blue Room Extra. But cheers to everybody who tuned in on YouTube tonight for this. Um, sorry about the initial hiccup at the start with the stream and I'm sorry if you saw me on my couch accidentally streaming that live. No one really needs to see that at all. <laughs> Why? What was going on on the couch, <laughs> What was that? What was going on on the couch? I was just watching the United game, but like I said, I don't think it's the most flattering angle in the world. So. Just, it looked like he was just staring dazed at the computer. It was Yeah, funny. absolutely. I was just... just you know, admiring Leicester's capitulation on the on the Brendan Rodgers wide eyes. There's certain other couches other people watch, you see, and he's uh, the internet, so, you know. Well, just, I wouldn't know about that, Dave. You can I'm sure you wouldn't. I'm sure you wouldn't. Oh, gosh, we're going to record now. But uh, <laughs> everybody who got involved, cheers everybody who commented. Uh, that has been your deadline day live stream. We are off to record another podcast now. You can find that on the Blue Room Extra, uh, patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. If you want to join us there, and we'll speak to you again very soon. Here on the Blue Room. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.